everyone, and welcome to another riveting episode of the After Review Podcast. My name is Shay Dougal, and with me, as always, my co-host and good friend, Trenton Puse. Yeah, and you better believe it'll be riveting. We're doing a much more free-form kind of show this, this week. Uh, we got a few topics, but I think that we're going to have more time to breathe, more time to discuss, more time to digest all that has happened and all that will come. It is going to be as loose and undisciplined as the 2019 Cleveland Browns. Oh my goodness. I Turn it off now if that's the Buckle case. Up. <laughs> Buckle up. Uh, unless you like that sort of thing. We do have a lot of stuff to get to, and uh, if you do like that sort of thing, definitely stay tuned because we're going to lead off the show, Trenton, with a little bit of Cleveland Browns talk in the quick hits. And uh, the Quick Hits, of course, our segment where we kind of rapid fire quickly go through all the news and everything that's happening around the league. Of course, playoffs are starting this weekend, and Cleveland's not going to be a part of it, largely due to the performance of the team as a whole. But a lot of that has been pinned on the head coach, Freddie Kitchens, and the, I should say, the ex-head coach, Freddie Kitchens, and the ex-general manager, John Dorsey, fired just a couple of days later. Trenton Cleveland is starting all over again from the beginning Again, this is their, this is going to be their sixth head coach uh, in seven years, seven plus years. Yeah, I was honestly surprised. I mean, obviously Freddie Kitchens had to go after the type of season he had, but that John Dorsey went too after one. I mean, obviously huge mistake with hiring Freddie Kitchens in the first place, and putting him in that position to fail, in which he also compiled a bunch of combustible personalities. What we saw from 2019 Cleveland was a an absolute worst-case scenario of the on-paper team that was compiled. Uh, and ultimately, I think that's kind of more a freak accident than just bad planning. I don't think that necessarily John Dorsey deserved to be fired because he did compile an extremely talented team, which under different leadership probably would have yielded uh, more positive results. And so ultimately... I would have liked to see him get more opportunity to continue to GM this team. But from what I have heard, ownership, Jimmy Haslam, has decided to go in a direction in which they are going to hire a coach first and then give them input on who the GM is going to be so that there's more symbiosis in that relationship uh, all the way from coach on up to ownership and hopefully less dysfunction as a result. With Cleveland, I will believe it when I see it. Right. This is an organization that desperately needs an adult in the room, and they haven't had one in a very long time, it feels like. Um, and in regards to the John Dorsey firing, just to say my piece on this, I mean, I, I agree that it was a good decision. A lot of people in the media are saying it's a good decision to fire him. And for once, I seem to agree with the media at large uh, because he is essentially responsible for this entire mess. He compiled that team full of combustible personalities, as you said, Trenton. And you're right, this is a worst-case scenario because we saw the Philadelphia Eagles compile talent in 2017's free agency. We saw the Los Angeles Rams do it in 2018 free agency. And we were starting to believe, maybe even on this show, that that is how you build a team now in, in now the year 2020 and going forward, that you would build a team through free agency and add complementary pieces through the draft. And this Cleveland team has brought us back down to earth. Uh, those Washington Redskins teams of old that would bring in an Albert Hainsworth type character to right. be the difference maker. Um, this is exactly what we saw with Cleveland this season. You're right. Worst case scenario. And I think that they made the right decision to get rid of Dorsey. And ultimately, I'm not a big fan of them pressing the reset button every couple of years. But it is the right move, I think, to fire both the GM and the head coach and just ultimately clean house of all the people in leadership in that organization and they just need to get an adult in the room. That's all. My only thing is that um, 
you wonder about what kind of leash this next group is going to get, considering how short of a leash Sashi Brown and John Dorsey most recently have had uh, to put in their plans for developing this team into a consistent winner, whether that be building through the draft, building through free agency, building through trades. I mean, we've seen it all in the last few years, and obviously they've had a lot of misfires, but I think under John Dorsey, they drafted better than they ever had. And they compiled talent better than they ever had. So I'm wondering if it's the right move to move on from something like that. Uh, and maybe a, the right coach with John Dorsey would have been more successful than what they have next. We'll see. Well, John John Dorsey selected Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. I'm and not- I, I realize that hindsight hindsight is 2020 on these things. But, you know, that's a pr- it, right now that's looking like a pretty big swing and miss because – Sam Darnold did things with a terrible Jets offense that we couldn't see Baker Mayfield do all year with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. I'm not ready to burn Baker Mayfield as a bust or even as a mistake at the number one overall pick. I'm not either. I'm just I'm just saying that. Sorry. uh, Based on the most recent information, yes, he struggled all year, and there's actually no real explanation for it. Ultimately, I'm just holding out. We'll see what what Baker Mayfield is in year three, but he was an excellent rookie and. I mean, honestly, people say that his accuracy has never been good. It was excellent uh, in terms of on-target passes in his rookie year. Obviously terrible this year. You would think that's something that would go over from year to year to year, that you're either you're accurate or you're not. But for Baker Mayfield, it was a sniper versus shotgun in year one to year two. Kind of strange. I, I don't <laughs> well, know I mean- what to make of it. It was clear and obvious that he didn't put the work in during the offseason, and he even said as much. He admitted as much late in the season, which to me is shocking. You don't usually see guys say, hey, this right. is my fault. I didn't put the work in, in the offseason. And maybe that is a sign of maturity, but at some point as a franchise, you need to evaluate your decision-making. And, I mean, if I don't see any reason why Baker Mayfield's leash should be any longer than year three if he fails to take that step forward under whoever the next coaching staff is. And sometimes new coaching staffs come in and they want to get a guy of their own. And we'll just have to see who that coaching staff and GM end up being. And uh, we can't be far off. Usually these these hires happen, you know, within a month or so of the firing because they got to start putting that plan in place. So let's get excited. All right, that's enough Browns talk for a lifetime. Yes, <laughs> we will bury the Browns for, I think, the rest of the postseason at this point, unless something awesome happens. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably talk if they hire someone, but, you know, not, not too much. That's what I mean. No that was, more that Browns was the talk. in memoriam of the 2019 season. They are dead, they are buried, we've mourned, it's over. Who was mourning? Not I. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, that was probably the most exciting one, but we still have some more exciting moves and non-moves here to cover. Before we get to we are we are going to discuss just a little preview of what else is upcoming on the show. If you haven't already read the description, we are going to go down the list of all pros that was named. Uh, I have not looked at the list. Trenton is going to read it off, and I'm going to react in real time as it gets read off, so I might be irritated or happy or whatever. Um, and then uh, we're just going to do a little bit of talk about the upcoming games, uh, which have, may may have already happened by the time you hear this. So right. you can just go ahead and skip that part if you want. But uh, let's go ahead and get back to the news, and uh, we're going to go ahead and move over to the New York Giants, who uh, probably appropriately fired head coach Pat Shermer, but did indeed decide to retain the GM Dave Gettleman. Uh, after kind of a rocky road, uh, a, a roller coaster of sorts at the GM spot, uh, they are hanging on to Dave Gettleman for now. Speaking of owning up to mistakes, Dave Gettleman said that he has to do a better job. 
which, you know, that's kind of impressive for a guy in as high of a position as he's been, especially after ownership backs him up to admit that, hey, I'm not doing a good enough job in uh, whether it be coaching or compiling talent on the defense or the offensive line. I don't know. I feel like it's I feel like it's pretty easy to admit that if ownership backs you up first. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, maybe you have an ego. Maybe you're like, oh, you know, I, I'm better than everyone says I am. And I think uh, Gettleman's taking the more proper approach, which is, I'm lucky to have this job and I'm going to do better. We'll see if that's the case. We'll see if he's just paying lip service. There's no way to know currently. What we do know is that Dave Gettleman hasn't had a ton of success so far in his Giants tenure. Uh, But I think this team is on the up as long as they continue to build that defense. And obviously they have to fix the offensive line. That starts with Nate Solder, I think, who was just the biggest liability this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say on the Dave Gettleman thing because I've I've made my position known on how I feel about his GM style, how I feel like he he's another guy who it feels like just compiles big names in free agency. And, uh, you know, in my mind has not drafted particularly well. I can't think of many solid draft picks he's made over the past couple of years with New York. Um, but I did want to talk about the Pat Shermer thing because I think, I think this is an interesting firing and it was an interesting hiring to begin with because yeah. you hire this kind of milk toast weak willed seemingly head coach who kind of comes in and, and just kind of exists for two years <laughs> and then you know the offense doesn't really grow and daniel jones doesn't really grow and it's sort of just stagnant and that's just kind of what i think of when i think of pat Shermer. i just think of stagnation i mean pat Shermer's had his success as an offensive coordinator in this league uh yeah, but he's been a head coach multiple times, yeah. and it hasn't worked out any of those times. Well, I mean, you can understand why he got a second chance, because his first chance was in Cleveland, and that's just the graveyard of all coaches and all GMs, apparently, as well. Uh, all right, last time I mentioned Cleveland, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's Pat Schirmer so did work sometimes. wonders. Uh, he did work wonders with Sam Bradford when he was with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. I, I remember those years fondly. I remember thinking, oh, man, Pat Schirmer, maybe he got a raw deal in Cleveland, but... And we saw him again in New York now, and it's just sort of a... Well, ultimately, like, it's just I think an it's Adam Gase type of situation. He needs to be an offensive coordinator. Unfortunately, Adam Gase is still a head coach, uh, and we have nothing to talk about there. Uh, so, I mean, that's how I feel about Pat Shermer. Sometimes you have to understand where your lane is. And then maybe a better example is Wade Phillips, who totally failed as a head coach, but is an excellent coordinator. That's just where he needs to be right Until now. Until this year. That's true. That's true. Right. All right, anything else on uh, those two gentlemen before we move on to Washington? No, you mentioned that you didn't like uh, their drafts. Uh, sorry, uh, Gettleman's drafts. I thought his most recent draft, they did a really good job in compiling talent. Uh, it had, had a lot of hits. Um, Darius Slayton comes to mind. and uh, Okay. The defensive tackle, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Julian Love looks like a winner in the secondary. I, I thought they compiled some good talent. And then obviously you have young guys, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Daniel Jones, that you feel like you can build around. But, again, there's a lot of holes on this team that they haven't done a good enough job filling to compile a roster that's able to compete even in a week NFC East. That has to Sterling Sterling Shepard, we've been waiting a long time to come into his own, and I, I don't believe he was a Dave Gettleman draft pick, so I, I don't know why you brought him up there. But, uh, well, I'm, but they, I'm more but talking right. about what the Giants have currently uh, as, of, as opposed to necessarily Gettleman draft picks. I moved off of that after mentioning this draft because his other drafts are kind of terrible. So, <laughs> well, apart from taking Saquon Barkley, which is probably right. the most obvious pick in the entire world, I mean Saquon uh, I mean, Barkley, Evan Ingram, is that it? Is there are there any other successes? I mean, until this, um, year? no, 
Yeah. I don't think so. And no, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was this draft that saved his job because could be. Apart from that, it really hasn't been good. All right. Next NFC's team that's uh, terrible. Yeah, let's talk about Washington. <laughs> and I actually, you know, with all the hubbub about the New York hires, for some reason I feel like these are flying under the radar somehow because the Redskins have brought in Ron Rivera from Carolina, Jack Del Rio from many places. Uh, Jack Del Rio will be the defensive coordinator, which I think is a fantastic hire. Absolutely. They did, uh, they did oust Bruce Allen from the GM job, which I think was, was an interesting decision. Um, if not a you know fantastic one, it, it's certainly going to shake things up in the front office, and I think it's more of a Ron Rivera power grab move uh, to to get Bruce Allen out of the building. But what did you think of the moves in general? I I'm very leery about all of them, and it's not because I don't like the people in the building. I I like Ron Rivera to come in and coach the Redskins. I like Jack Del Rio to come in and defensive coordinate. I don't trust Dan Snyder, and I don't trust that he's actually going to let Ron Rivera run the show because he's shown in the past that he's not willing to, or at least that he's not patient, uh, considering how, how much he uh, put against Jay, Jay Gruden uh, and in his tenure. Obviously, he didn't fire him very Valid. quickly. But, I was going to say, but he did yeah. give Jay Gruden several years to kind of he morph did. the team into something. He did. Uh, ultimately, I don't know. I don't know about this Redskins team because there's, there's one common denominator in all of this mediocrity, and it is Dan Snyder. Uh, there's been a lot of coaches. There's been a lot of GMs. So, who knows if this is going to work. I, I definitely hope so. I like the way it's building. I like what they've been saying. And I like Ron Rivera as a coach, um, despite the fact that he had worn out his welcome in Carolina. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch. I think with those two hires, they've instantly become one of the more interesting and intriguing teams to watch going into the right. offseason to see how they're going to structure the team. Are they going to continue to work on the defense and the running game and kind of make that the, the principles of how they game plan going forward for the next couple of years while Dwayne Haskins kind of waits in the wings, learns a little bit? Are they going to want to keep Haskins? You know, sometimes even after just one year, guys who haven't looked great will get thrown out of the building as soon as a new hot head coach comes in and wants to get a guy in the draft and and you know there are certainly a lot of good quarterbacks in this year's draft granted there's going to be a lot of demand at the top of the draft for those quarterbacks uh we can get into that unfortunately i don't i don't think the redskins would line up for either uh trevor lawrence or um uh, uh joe burrow maybe to a tongue of iloa we'll see well i mean but, trevor uh, lawrence uh He's not coming out this year. He'd be coming out next year. So, ultimately, uh, is that, that official? Would, yeah, it is. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's a true oh, I know sophomore, that, but... so he's not eligible. Oh, that, that's okay. I mean. That was my that was my mistake. Okay, no, it's okay. Well, I think a lot of people have actually kind of thought of Trevor Lawrence as being in this draft. He's he's not going to be available until next draft. Well, he's so good. It's hard to imagine how he's only a sophomore. Right. No, I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't pay enough attention. All right. Uh, so couple more and then we'll move on to the all pro stuff all right uh the jacksonville jaguars this is i think one of the more interesting ones um in that they have decided to retain the group of head coach and they're the combination of head coach and general manager that has brought them to so many sub 500 seasons over the past (laughs) seven years uh doug marone and david caldwell now doug marone has not been on the staff for seven years but david caldwell sure sure has and we've seen a talent drain out of jacksonville all apart from that one year where everything came together for the defense and it's just it my it boggles my mind that these guys are still employed with jacksonville because i i didn't get the sense that the owner was one 
uh, Shad Khan was one to just sit by and let his uh, let his cheap seats in his stadium sit idly while the team just self-destructs all over the field in Jacksonville week after week. Yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of this other than to say we've got to hand it to Shad Khan when there's a lot of teams and a lot of owners that are just really quick on the trigger. He's really slow on the trigger on uh, David Caldwell, who probably should have been ousted with Gus Bradley. Uh, so, <laughs> so long ago, yeah, it feels I know, like. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he has long outstayed his welcome. I mean, you mentioned that one successful season, but that was lightning in a bottle. It's not necessarily that he made a lot of smart moves over a couple of years. He got lucky, and that's been proven over the last two years. Uh, so ultimately, I, I don't think David Caldwell should be in this position. I, I don't really know where he should be, um, but I, I don't think it's the right move for the Jaguars going forward. I don't think it's going to yield much. I don't think anything uh, poorly of Doug Marone. I think he's probably like an eight and eight, nine and seven type of coach, and there's a place for that in this league. But he needs a good GM, someone better than Caldwell. Ultimately, I think stagnation is poison in the NFL, and I talked about how I think the that the uh, defining principles of Pat Shermer's leadership is just stagnation and boring and just, you know, if, if you're not moving forward in the NFL, it often feels like you're moving backward. It feels like other teams are passing you by. It feels like the Titans have an answer at quarterback. It feels like the Colts are set up with a good coaching staff and are primed to kind of retool the offense, either around Jacoby Brissett or maybe find another option. It feels like the Texans have a super talent at that position, at the quarterback position, is super talented at wide receiver, is super talented on offense in general, has fixed the offensive line, and just really needs to fix up the defense, and they're right there. I don't know what the Jaguars are. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they're at at quarterback. I don't know why their defense has fallen so far back down to earth. They they just feel like they're lost at sea. Yeah. And to retain a captain and a uh, let's say a first mate who got the ship lost at sea uh, when the entire team is walking the plank and demanding to be traded. I love this metaphor, by the way. Uh, I just, I don't really, uh, I don't really get it. I, I don't know what their angle is, and they just feel like they're just adrift. Yeah, someone get them some drama. Nice. All right, one more, and then the all-pro stuff. <sighs> this is a weird one, Trenton. And uh, normally... We don't really discuss rumors too often on this show because of their unpredictable nature and things could change, you know, tomorrow by the time you hear this. So it's kind of worthless, honestly. Uh, But since it's taking so long to develop thus far, we can go ahead and talk about how the Cowboys have, as of now, retained Jason Garrett as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys franchise into 2020. Yeah, and what does it mean? It's been a fascinating odyssey. I mean, let, let's take a look back so that maybe we can see more clearly what's going forward. Way right. back in 1970, <laughs> the Cowboys hired Jason Garrett, and he's been eight and eight ever since. The end. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Um, more speaking of basically since the Cowboys whomped the Redskins in Week 17, and kind of left on a, a more positive note maybe for the owner after. You know, obviously dropping the ball against the Eagles in Week 16. Uh, I, th- I think that the Joneses are looking for a way to keep him, to be honest. That's what it feels like. It feels like they're kind of waiting it out, waiting the fans out, waiting the national media out. So the fervor dies down. The fire Jason Garrett dies down. I mean, that whole hype train. And they can slowly 
slide him a one-year contract and give him one more try. That's what it feels like. It, it seems like they're just kind of pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. You keep hearing about these meetings that they have, one-hour meetings where nothing gets resolved. What are they talking about in those meetings? I have absolutely no idea. There's been three Where to meetings. go for dinner? I, w- I would have never thought that the, that the Jones family would be so spineless on this issue. I get that they love Jason Garrett, but you know, put him on the staff as like a, an assistant or just throw him in the front office in some role with a title that doesn't do anything or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like give him a paycheck, but just don't just tell him to get out of the way. If you like him that much, because the fan fervor and the rage about this issue is not going to die down with time. Right. February is going to roll around. March is going to roll around. Jason Garrett's still going to be the head coach. And they're going to say, are we really signed up for another year of this? Why? No, here's the, this thing. is the Dallas Cowboys. Here's this the is thing. not the Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals. That won't happen because Jason Garrett's contract runs out on January 14th. Mark your calendars. If the Joneses oh, really? do nothing, Jason Garrett won't have a job anymore. So that's also oh, a possibility. Well, so they're just going to let the contract expire and then, you know, bring but in Urban Meyer But then why Meyer would they do that? Is that really respectful to Jason Garrett to say, hey, you know, don't get your pick of the litter on all these potential coaching jobs that you can go out and interview for because everyone's already going to be hiring a coach. And then on the flip side of that, do the Cowboys lose out on all of the potential top head coaching candidates that they may have thought of uh, because no, they waited too long I don't long think that Garrett? they will. That's... That is that is the best head coaching job that will that will be open in the NFL. That is probably the it has the best dysfunction to talent ratio of every <laughs> open job currently in the NFL. Uh, in my mind, anyway, uh, certainly better than Cleveland or, or Washington. And and who doesn't want to go be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? They can have any guy they want, except for apparently Ron Rivera, who just wanted the power, probably. And that's why he went to Washington. But you notice none of these other teams are making quick moves on head coaches, probably because the Dallas Cowboys have a list and guys are going to bow at their knee. I'm just saying it's it's an eternity in coach hiring time from now until January 14th, 11 days, basically where there's no football operations going on. The only thing that these football teams that are out of the playoffs are responsible for is looking for head coaching jobs. I just think it's an irresponsible move from all parties. And ultimately, if this is a respect thing, I think it's disrespectful to Jason Garrett to just leave him hanging like that. That's how I feel. Well, I mean, you don't think that he doesn't already know? Have they told him, listen, you're not going to be rehired, and then for some reason he keeps going in and having meetings with them? Why? why? Nothing about that lines up. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it's just for optics. Maybe they're it like, you got to come in and, and meet with us, and we'll just hang out and <laughs> like drink beers and like watch the Fish Madison Square Garden shows. You know, buy a live stream. Yeah, it's twenty five bucks up. now. <laughs> All right, so oh. we're getting too far into the the possibilities here, and ultimately, this is probably going to be resolved by the time that you hear this show. There's already been several sources that claim that the Cowboys and Jason Garrett will not continue or will part ways will not continue to be in a professional relationship, as it were. Uh, and I expect whatever. more clarity I, coming in. Whatever, dude. There's so many insiders that are saying different things. It's right. impossible to know what to think at this stage. I mean, formulate your own opinion and then find the confirmation bias for it. That's how we operate here on the After Review Podcast, and that's how you should run your life, uh, loyal listener to the show. Trenton, let's do the all pros. Let's do it. 
All right, so as I teased earlier, I do not know who's on this list except for the quarterback of the first team because I accidentally just read it. Um, which it's pretty is pretty obvious. Spoiler, it's not surprising at all. <laughs> uh, so um, so go ahead and just uh, go ahead and read down the list, and I will react appropriately. All right. So uh, as we – And feel free to add your own commentary as well. As we alluded to, QB, Lamar Jackson, Ravens. This is the first team, by the way. There are two teams, first team and second team All-Pro. We are reading the first team first, offense, defense, special teams, then second team, offense, defense, special teams. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not have a perfect season, but he did have an unbelievable one. Yeah, 25 touchdowns and one interception since week eight. It's crazy. I, I mean, And then I'll consider all the rushing yards that we're not even mentioning here. I don't know that number off the top of my head, but goodness gracious. It's over 1,000. It broke the record. <laughs> All right, so running back, Christian McCaffrey, Panthers. I don't have an issue with this. It, it's kind of interesting to give it to a player who was on a five-win team. I mean, I, I realize but he was basically their entire offense, so I, I guess you can't deny it. But it's it's just – I feel like if he was on a better team, he might not be on this, which is weird to say. I'd consider Dalvin Cook here. But uh, obviously, as, as an individual performance, Christian McCaffrey was lights out this year. Uh, tight end George Kittle 49ers duh unbelievable best tight end I've seen since prime Gronk Travis Kelsey was also really really good this year they were neck and neck on stats Uh, receivers Michael Thomas Saints DeAndre Hopkins Texans Michael Thomas is easy Hopkins is a little bit surprising to me I probably haven't watched as much Texans uh, certainly as this panel of experts has uh, to me, the Texans were kind of a rudderless offense when Will Fuller wasn't on the field, not DeAndre Hopkins. So, There was absolutely no receiver that kind of even matched, even close to match the consistency of Michael Thomas this year. Uh, so ultimately, at that point, you have to go down and look at stats, and DeAndre Hopkins is the closest in stats. So it makes sense. Or you could watch the games. That also helps. That's true, too. And Hopkins did have a tendency to disappear until the fourth quarter. So. I mean, but how do you hold that against him when the rest of the field basically had their own issues? Fair enough. Flex. Christian McCaffrey Panthers. What flex? What is what is that? Like like <laughs> fantasy football? Get out get that out of here, all pro. <laughs> all right, McCaffrey appears twice, uh once in a real position and once in a fake fantasy position. Was he is he second team wide receiver all pro too? I mean, come on. No, that should be Austin Eckler. Where's Austin Eckler? Yeah, why seriously. why is why is Christian McCaffrey <laughs> making the flex? Wait a minute. Why, is, why isn't Austin back? Eckler the second receiver? He should be. Why is where's James White? You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair enough. Come all on. Right. Left tackle, Ronnie Stanley Ravens. I buy it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really I I do year. a lot of my I do a lot of my offensive line research uh, in the playoffs when I'm able to like really focus in on one game and just watch what the offensive line is doing. So we'll see. I think 13 weeks into the season, Ronnie Stanley hadn't allowed a sack and he had played every snap. So I haven't heard much since, and I, he did miss one game. But yeah, good season. Right tackle, Ryan Ramchek, Saints. All right, nice feather in your cap there. Absolutely. It's good to see him get recognition because he does not get enough top pff graded tackle did not allow a sack all season left guard quentin nelson colts oh oh brandon brooks better be on the second team 
Yeah, because it's, it's Brandon tough. Brooks had a really nice season. It's tough. They were neck and neck all year, at least in terms of PFF grades. Brandon Brooks, I think, had the better season and one of the best seasons we've seen in years. He missed some games, though, and That's he'll true. probably be out for the playoffs, which is a huge problem. And that does count against Philadelphia. you, especially on an all-pro team. Sure. Right guard, Zach Martin, Cowboys. Uh, not a surprise. Cowboys' offensive line returned to dominance this year, and they were one of the bright spots on a team with few of them. Right, and Martin had to cover up a lot of the deficiencies that Travis Frederick had coming back from Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, so he had a tough Ooh, Nice job on the pronunciation. Year. Thank you. Uh, center, Jason Kelsey, Eagles. There's, there's an eagle. It feels like Kelsey is always on the short list for awards like this just because he's really recognizable. He's got the beard. Right. Uh, this is an award that I feel like, and specifically for offensive lines, it feels like they just kind of give it out to well-known players in the position. But there's also a reason you become well-known. So congratulations, Mr. Kelsey, uh, who was going to retire after last offseason. Uh, he is still a first-team All-Pro. Quick editor's note. Uh, Eric McCoy of the Saints was the, I believe, number two rated center in the NFL. Look for him going forward. Oh, maybe the second team. Could That's be. my prediction. Who knows? All right. We'll so see. We're on to the defense. Edge rushers. I don't know. I didn't read them. <laughs> Edge rushers. Wait, can I guess? Can I guess on this? Sure. Why not? Because it, sh- it should be Chandler Jones with like 20 sacks this year. Okay. Like the quietest 20 sack season ever. And TJ Watt, potential defensive player of the year candidate. You got it. Nailed it. Perfect. Both of them? Yep. Yes. Well done. Oh, Do you want to keep awesome. that going? I, or? Should keep, <laughs> I should keep guessing, yeah. All, All right. right. What's the next category? Interior linemen. Um, I don't know. Uh, um, it wasn't a banner year for interior linemen. There wasn't a really great one this year. And yeah, it's, I don't know. What, what? Who are they? Aaron Donald Rams. Obviously, I mean, well, he had a, he had a good down season. Year, Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle in the league. Uh, Cam Hayward, Steelers. Okay, Hayward, I think, has been really good for really long, and no one's really recognized it because early on in his career, people thought of him as a bust because they didn't realize that a three-four defensive end doesn't get sacks, and now he does. So ultimately, I'm glad he's getting some recognition. Linebackers, Bobby Wagner, Seahawks, Demario Davis, Saints, Eric Kendricks, Vikings. I mean, this is where we're really getting into the weeds because it's hard to say like, oh, yeah, I remember back in week 13 when Demario Davis made this great game-saving tackle. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to pretend that I'm as knowledgeable as, as your average, uh, you know, football writer who covers the sport for a living, but it's, it's hard, you know. I have to go off of a, a lot of what I hear when I watch games, and right. I just have to trust the media that they're getting this stuff right at this point. Davis is absolutely deserving of this. I watched him all year. He's amazing, and it's really good to see him get him some recognition. He's so much better than he was at any other point in his career with the Jets or Browns. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I will say this about Eric. Can I just make a Sorry, comment no. about Eric Kendricks? Uh, just that... This is not super surprising to me that he would be on here. I probably wouldn't have picked his name out of a hat, you know what I mean? But right. I but I would have I would say that given the Vikings incredibly poor performance uh in the secondary, typically the linebackers have to pick up the slack in that regard and and that's where you get your coverage sacks from. So uh Eric Kendricks in coverage had a really nice year and a really nice year against the run. Yeah, the stats back that up. Eric Kendricks had a stunning 13 passes defense this year as a middle linebacker. Most really, in the really NFL. Impressive. 
Uh, Bobby Wagner, by the way, I mean, he's been among the best NFC linebackers, NFL linebackers over several years. I don't feel like he was that great this year, at least in the Seahawks games that I saw. So this could be more of a reputation award. Uh, He'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, yeah, he will. All right, cornerbacks, do you want to guess or should I just go? I'm sure Stefan Gilmore is one. And then who's the other one? It's obvious. Uh, I, it, I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head. You don't? Am I going to be mad? Is it Xavier Rhodes? No. It's a guy, it's a guy that just last week I think you gifted. In, Wait, in, in, in can you give me another hint? Presence. This is taking too long. Give me another hint. This is bad radio. AFC. Is it, uh, oh my God, is it Tredavious White? It is Tredavious White. Oh my goodness. An, an AFC is... East sweep of the cornerbacks oh, on the first team all time. I am such a bad person. <laughs> so historically on this show, I have been tough on, that. No, that's not even true. During the draft process, I was yes. rough on Tredavious White. If you've never listened to the show before, just don't listen to the episode where I just wrecked Tredavious White's footwork and his lack of size because... He's fixed all of that, and he's now <laughs> one of the best corners in the NFL. So, okay, carry on. The the personal vendetta, Tredavious White revenge tour against Shea and the After You podcast as a whole, as well as Sportslights.com, is complete with this All-Pro selection. I don't think you hated White as much as I did. I wrote the piece for Sportslights.com <laughs> ripping Tredavious White. I endorsed it. All right, you put it on the site. So. <laughs> I did. Okay, uh, safeties. You want me to say them? Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has got to be one. Yep. Um, the second one, I don't know. It could be anybody. It was a, it was a good year for safeties. It feels like a lot of talent out there. It's a good selection, but I'm kind of disappointed. Jamal Adams, Jets. Okay, I I buy that. Yeah, I think Why are you Kevin disappointed? Byer could potentially be there, and probably should. Okay, be maybe there. he'll be the second team. Yeah, maybe he'll be the second team. I I think you're splitting hairs at that point, and Fitzpatrick obviously with his ball production really deserves to be there. So. It's just tough with Adams being on a fairly mediocre defense and a very mediocre team to uh, say that necessarily he was a great safety. All right, defensive backs. This is kind of like flex for the offense. Marcus Peters, Ravens. I'm opposed to this. I am very opposed to this. In my day, we had safeties and we had corners. We didn't have defensive backs. I, th- I think ultimately this is supposed to represent the fact that nickel is much more prevalent in today's NFL. Teams tend to run it about okay. 70% of the time as opposed to base. Uh, so these are right. the nickel corners that are great. Uh, Tyron Matthew Chiefs, Marlon Humphrey Ravens, Marcus Peters Ravens. Wow, two Ravens. Marcus Peters doesn't play nickel safety or nickel corner. I know, it's weird. <laughs> this award is garbage. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, special I refuse teams. to acknowledge it. You ready this for special teams? This is like teams? offensive player of the year. It's an irrelevant award that doesn't mean anything. Just give it to the MVP because that's the only thing that makes any sense anymore. Ugh. That's, it's terrible that that's what MVP is. Anyway. How in the world are you going to give MVP to Lamar Jackson but not give him offensive player of the year? He won MVP for being the best offensive player in football. But it's going to go to Christian McCaffrey, which is ridiculous. Well, then what does Michael Thomas get? Nothing. Bumpkiss. Bumpkiss. <laughs> he gets the record for most catches in the NFL. How about that? Ugh. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, that doesn't even Bowl begin win. to tell Spoiler. the story. That doesn't even begin to tell the story of Michael Thomas's season. Anyway, special teams. Doesn't it? Doesn't that tell the entire story of Michael Thomas' season? No, it season? doesn't. He had the best of, individual wide receiver season of all time? Because of catch rate 
which he also had the best um, ever for how many catches he had. Uh, yeah, well, you would assume that the catch rate would be high given the fact that he caught over 140 passes. But guess what? Even Jerry Rice never had that high of a catch rate in his best seasons. His best well, was Michael a Thomas little over Michael better 70%. than Jerry Rice, so how, how about that? <laughs> All right, throw down that gauntlet. Let, let's, let's get that discussion sure. going at us or, you know, at After Review Pod. Or Eric might not even publish this podcast once he hears my take on it. <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, yeah, he's a 49ers fan. So is Ryan. Believe it or not. Hey, you should get together with Eric for the uh, the 49ers inevitable 49ers Saints NFC Championship game. That'd be fun. We we will discuss it. I, I don't know how I'll webcast it would be. in. Oh, it's it would be <laughs> if I'm there. Oh, you'll have a blast. I'll fly in. I don't care. Oh, that'd be fun. That that would be really fun. All right, and we could throw it. To all right, him. special teams. Special teams. Sorry, I got really off topic there. We got. It doesn't matter. Just Tucker matter. Ravens is the kicker. <laughs> Okay, that's no surprises there. Yeah, I was fine. hoping it would be Kai Forbath after his excellent performance as the new Dallas Cowboys kicker. Yeah, Forbath was great, but you get you get it counted against you if you don't play all the games. Punter, Brett Kern, Titans. I was being sarcastic, by the way. Okay, Brett Kern, that's fine. Kick returner, Cordero Patterson, Bears. I mean, I don't know. Kick return is not even like a relevant thing in the NFL at this point. Like, if you score one touchdown on... Like, I'm surprised that... Uh, that uh, What's-his-face... Um, uh, for the Chiefs, uh, Mikael Hardman. I'm surprised he didn't win kick returner of hey, the year. Maybe, the maybe he's coming he, up. He... Who knows? Maybe. Oh, yeah. All right. I get there's a second team. We'll find out. All right. And punt returner, Deontay Harris, Saints. Okay. What's your perspective on that? He's electric. He's amazing. He deserves this award, but he really needs to quit putting the ball on the ground. He has only lost one fumble, but I think he's dropped. He's muffed like five or six punts. So he's really playing with five. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If you can replace Taysom Hill as the primary punt returner for an NFL team, you're probably the greatest punt returner of all time. He's amazing. No excuses. NCAA leader He's like, in career uh, kick return touch or punt return touchdowns. Undrafted. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that success story. Special teamer Matthew Slater, Patriots. Well deserved. AKA the Matthew Slater Award. Yep. Because he wins it every year, right? Yeah, and he deserves it every year. He's the best. Well, like, find me the last time that Matthew Slater didn't win the special teams player. The like, it's basically just the guy who makes the tackle every time. <laughs> it's, that's Matthew Slater. Yep. All right, we're on to second team offense. Oh, I'm hyperventilating. Okay, <laughs> who's is the quarterback? It? Okay, who's the quarterback. The quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. It no. Is not. No, because he missed all those games. He missed all those games. It's it's Drew Brees. It's not Drew Brees. What? He also missed all oh, he missed games. all those games. He missed all those games. That's right. <laughs> um, okay. I just think I'm thinking about the last month. Oh, you should. Maybe that's why. I'm... Yeah, you shouldn't think about earlier. Oh, it's Russell Wilson. It is Russell Wilson. Okay, that makes sense because he hasn't played well the last month, but here he is. Yep. I, I, overall, I think he's deserving of it. Maybe Drew Brees is more deserving of it. it. It's arguable. Well, you miss six games. That's tough. Yeah, it is tough. All right, running back, Derrick Henry, Titans. Love it. Okay, that, that's yeah, that's good. I'm surprised Delvin Cook didn't also, maybe I'm, get a I'm shot I'm bummed it. that Delvin Cook didn't get it. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be really annoyed when we get to flex. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's Derrick Henry? <laughs> All right, we're, we're, uh, we're going to It's Christian answer. McCaffrey again. <laughs> Tight end. He Travis was so Kelsey good. He made Chiefs. first and second team. 
Travis Kelsey for tight end. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, good season. Got any idea on the receivers? Um, let me think. Uh, fantasy stud. Fantasy stud. Fantasy that would stud. be Chris Godwin. Yes. Oh yeah, my my boy, Chris Godwin, the garbage time king. And it's an NFC uh, South sweep for receivers. Oh, it's uh, then Julio Jones. Then it is Julio Jones. There are no other receivers. Mike Evans might have made it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, Godwin <laughs> had a better year anyway. Uh, yeah, but no, Julio Jones makes a lot of sense. He yep. is on pace to be, I think, the greatest statistical receiver of all time. It's his seventh straight season with what is it, fourteen hundred plus yards? That's oh, just insane. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns, which is just completely inexplicable because he has the perfect frame for a red zone receiver. But I know we talk about this every it off makes no sense. Falcons. I don't get it. I no, I agree with you. I just you know. Okay, right, so you nailed next? you nailed it. By the way, flexes Derrick Henry. What? No, it is no way. <laughs> it is. That's stupid. He's not a receiving running back. I know it doesn't make any. Where the sense. hell is Austin Eckler? He's not on here. It's so sad. Oh. This is the dumbest list I've ever seen. Who voted on this? It's not a bad list except for flex, and I guess defensive backs too, which apparently the second team defense doesn't get defensive backs. That's weird. Well, I didn't have an issue with I didn't have an issue with Tyron Matthew or Marlon Humphrey, but Marcus Peters doesn't make any sense, mostly because he's an outside corner. Yeah, I, I, he had a good year, but I, I don't I don't know I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. Left tackle David Bakhtiari Packers. I feel like he wins this award every year for some reason, even though he's not the he's probably not the second best left tackle in the NFL at this point. Second best left tackle in the NFL at this point is Taron Armstead. So right tackle. Mitchell Schwartz, Chiefs. I hear a lot about Mitchell Schwartz all the time. Uh Jeff Schwartz's brother. Jeff Schwartz, excellent broadcaster. Good stuff. Nice. Left guard, Joel Batoni there's two. Uh Joel Batonio Browns, Joe Tooney Patriots. That's all. This list is a farce. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Batonio is excellent. He had actually. How can you have year. two guys on the second team at left guard? Uh, are they, they both must playing the at the same time? I'm guessing. Ugh. They, well, then figure out a tiebreaker. This is unacceptable. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Right guard, Marshall Yonda Ravens. No surprise. Okay. Yeah. I buy that. Center, Rodney Hudson, Raiders. He missed a couple I like of that. Games, but he's good. Yeah, he's real good. I mean, the Raiders' offensive line returned to dominance this year due to, in large part, to the synchronicity that rodney hudson provides in the middle of the line i love this i love this pick yeah all right defense edge rushers shaq barrett buccaneers cameron jordan you not, saints you're not letting me guess anymore you can get you can guess if you want to but i'm not gonna ask I probably I, I probably <laughs> would not have guessed those guys though do you want so. do you want me to ask or do you want to guess the rest of them no i don't know it's it, i don't know okay. just go feel it out interior alignment guess or no no great i couldn't Jarrett. get the first team Grady Jarrett, Falcons. DeForest Buckner, 49ers. DeForest Buckner, nice. Coming around uh, just a couple years later after I said he would be one of the best in the NFL, he finally is. So good stuff. And Grady Jarrett, of course, obviously. I don't know why I didn't think of Grady Jarrett earlier. The the interior of the defensive line is sometimes hard to remember. Like I said, it wasn't a banner year. Grady Jarrett didn't have that many sacks, but he's still a really, really good player. Uh, DeForest Buckner, incidentally, did have a ton of sacks, but early in the season. And that's kind of a theme for the rest of the 49ers defensive line as a whole. As uh, injuries continue to pile up on in the linebackers and in the secondary, that 49ers defensive line was much less ferocious late in the season. Uh, we'll see if that continues into the playoffs. All right, linebackers. Guess or no? 
No, just because I, I feel like I'm going to be incensed because I didn't even like the first team choices all that much. <laughs> all right, Luke Keekley, Panthers. Well, I'm already upset because this is this is given purely on name only. Keekley did not have a great year. That was one of the reasons the Panthers' defense started falling apart was because late in the season he sort of fell off a cliff a little bit. I was pretty impressed with Keekley in the last Saints-Panthers uh, game, but... Ultimately, I didn't see enough of Keekley to know, and I didn't hear a lot about him this year. So, uh, Darius Leonard, Colts. Missed a lot of games. Uh, I mean, I love Darius Leonard, but he missed a lot of games. Was there, Were there really no other better choices? I can't really think of any. Maybe Joe Schobert, Browns. TJ Watt, Seems Steelers to... is the final choice. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. He's, he appears twice well, he was in two on the... different positions. You're on the first team. You can't be on the first and the second team. It doesn't work that way. You actually can. And it's No, you there's can't. actually some precedence for it. Khalil well, Mack. okay, what are you going to do? Actually what did you gonna... just this thing a few years ago? What are you going to do, Trenton, when in Madden 2020 <laughs> or whatever, like they have the first and the second team all pro teams and then you have uh uh TJ Watt on both teams. It doesn't work. You don't play the, with the all pro teams. You play with the pro bowl teams. Well, that's even dumber. Yeah, I know. It is really dumb. The All-Pro team is purely a paper team. That, that's what it's for. Maybe it should stay on paper with how terrible the list has been so far. <laughs> Go ahead. I actually like the teams. Cornerbacks. Uh, Richard Sherman, 49ers. Marcus Peters, what? Ravens. So here's Marcus Peters making the list again. And Richard Sherman, I mean, I get the story is good, but I don't, I don't Marcus- know about that. Marcus Peters uh, finally finds the correct place on this list. He is an outside corner, and he was excellent this year. Sherman also was excellent, so ultimately I don't have too much to say about this. There weren't a lot of great corners in the league this year, and Sherman was one of them. All right. Carry on. Yes or no? No, just keep going. Justin Simmons, Broncos, and Tyron Matthew Chiefs. Well, Tyron Matthew again already on this list, so I don't I don't get it. But Justin Simmons, great pick. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of surprised that Cortland Sutton didn't make the uh, the receivers. But I guess the receiver was kind of loaded this year. Receiver, as is it loaded. usually is. Um, yeah. It's loaded with like, uh, sit, but second, not second tier guys, but like one B type of guys. Yeah, Simmons is a great pick, though. I think it's nice that the Broncos get a little bit of recommenda- uh, uh, recognition in what was ultimately a lost season. But that defense was really good. At one point in, the, in this year, they were top three in the NFL in, in total defense. And, I mean, that secondary was a big part of it. Yeah, Simmons had a breakout year. I believe he's a free agent, so see if he stays around. Okay, special have teams. to pay him a lot. We are nearing the end. So the, the, outrage, Thank goodness. the outrage can come to a close, hopefully. Uh, place kicker Josh Lambeau, Jaguars. I don't agree with this one at all, personally. That should be Will Lutz. I have literally no thought. Of- <laughs> he had like 21 straight made field goals or something this year, which is probably why he's on the uh, on It's the irrelevant. Team. Did he win games? I don't know, whatever. Dude, no, but I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, punter, Tressway, Redskins. Where's Thomas Morstead? This is ridiculous. Well, the Redskins punted a lot. So, larger sample size. Oh, my gosh. That's stupid. <laughs> Kick returner. There's your boy, Nicole Hardman, Chiefs. Yeah, my boy, Nicole. <laughs> and finally, punt returner. I, I just like saying his name. I know that's not how you pronounce his name, but I, I like it. 
I've heard Mikol Hart. What is it? It's Mick. It's Mikol. It's like Nicole, but Mikol. For real? Wow. Yeah. Like a bunch of announcers have gotten it wrong then. All right, punt returner, Deontay Johnson, Steelers to close out the list. That's weird. I know for a fact. You don't that, think that makes sense? No, no. I know for a fact that there's a special teamer on the second team All Pro. Did I miss it? Because JT Gray it's of not, the Saints won it. Well, it's not copy and pasted here, so I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> no, I, I actually caught this from uh, from the full list of Saints uh, who actually won the award from NOLA.com slash Saints. So, JT Gray is the special teamer for the second team, and this list is incomplete, and this whole discussion has been irrelevant. So, Jeff, I, mean, I don't know that it's... I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> All right. right now, I just feel like I'm floating along in this haze of just player names running through my head. Like, yeah, I, I think, I think David Bakhtiari might have had a good season. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really tough to keep up. I seem to recall Shaq Barrett having like ten sacks in a game, but did that really happen, or was that a dream? <laughs> I think he ended no, up he like had like ten sacks, sacks in the first like two games or something ridiculous yeah. like that. He kind of just floated on that the rest of the year, but I know uh, he actually did have a really good year. But um, let's go ahead and Trent. Let's do. Uh, we're not going to do gut picks because at this point we we know a ton about these teams that we're going to be watching on Wild Card Weekend. So not true gut picks, but we'll just kind of quickly run through the games and. You know, at this point, some of them are probably already over by the time you're listening to this. So we can uh, look stupid in hindsight or we can look really smart when we declare the winners and uh, kind of what we expect to happen in the game. Start with the early Saturday game, Trenton, the ESPN Classic. How about Buffalo at Houston? I think this is a really interesting matchup. Now, you come to it two teams, one in which the Bills, they don't have a ton of obvious jump-off-the-field type of talent, at least on the offensive side. Uh, and then on the Texans side, the offense, they're completely loaded, but they're so inconsistent. And then you have a really good coach in Sean McDermott and a really inconsistent to poor coach in Bill O'Brien. Then there's home field advantage to consider, which goes to the Texans. And then you have to wonder, can Josh Allen score in the playoffs? Can he score in big games? Can he beat good teams? There's a lot of things going on here that I don't really have an answer for, and it's, to me it's a really tough game to pick, despite the fact that gut says Bills all the way, because I think the Bills are a better team and they're more likely to show up. Yeah, I think I probably am leaning Bills as well, but I agree with you. It is a really, I think it's probably the toughest of the four to pick, which is right. weird because usually the Texans, the Texans always seem to play in that first Saturday game and they usually seem to win it just because their opponent is totally inferior. Not this year. Uh, this Buffalo Bills team is different. They're a good defense. Not a great one like New England, but good. They've allowed the fewest big plays in the NFL. Don't know if you knew that. And since the Texans are so reliant on that big play, I'm actually going to take Buffalo to win this game 20 to 14. Oh, we're doing scores. Oh, man, I was very unprepared. Uh, I'm that, sorry. That's, that's a great point, though, actually, uh, with the whole big play versus not allowing a big play. That, that's a good stat to look at. And then that including better coaching. And then the fact that the Bills have been really good in the fourth quarter, I am going to pick the Bills as well. I'm going to give them the win 17 to 9. Oh, Wow. That's an old school game. I like that. Hey, sign me up for that tomorrow. I, we're recording this on Friday night. If that's the outcome of that game, I'm super excited. You're Man, getting me fired crazy. up here. These games are tomorrow. I mean, it just occurred to me. I know. Wow. We, we recorded way too late in the week uh, for the last <laughs> time this season. We will be recording on Tuesday again uh, this week or possibly Monday. Possibly so Monday. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. All right. Now let's talk 
Uh, Tennessee at New England. Um, this is a weird one because all season long, I feel like we have seen a Patriots team that has struggled and struggled and struggled, and everything is so difficult for them on offense. And the Titans have been hot lately, and but it's just so it, it's so hard to pick the Titans in a spot like this. This is the first time the Patriots have played on Wild Card Weekend in ten years, Trenton. Right, and I I just I don't know. What do you think? It's I mean, there's a lot of reasons why this is tough. There's a lot of reasons why this is an absolute nightmare matchup for the Patriots, considering that the Titans have been one of the hottest offenses in the NFL. If they can score and the Patriots can't, they're going to win the game, right? Uh, so well, that's usually how it works. <laughs> yes. No, and that and that's the whole thing. When you go at at an X's and O's perspective, yeah, the Titans should win this thing because they're going to be able to score more points. Then you have to consider the Patriots in New England in the playoffs. They're basically unbeatable. Uh, so what do you do with that? But then there's also the side, the, the aspect of how bad Bill Belichick's been against his uh, mentees, if you will, the last few years. I was hoping you'd bring that up. They yeah. lost against the Lions. They lost against Brian uh, with Matt Patricia. They lost against the Dolphins with Brian Flores. They've lost against Mike Vrabel as recently as last year, 34-10. to 10. Right. That can't be discounted because those teams are largely pretty similar, and they were totally outclassed in that game. No, and, and that's the whole thing. What, what the Titans bring into this is a complete lack of intimidation factor of the Patriots, and I think that's what I think a lot of teams come in and playing the Patriots, especially going into New England, have is this intimidation like, Oh my gosh, we got to do something different. We got to play perfectly. We got to make no mistakes. And then they overreact and freak out on their game planning. And the, the players just don't play up to potential. I don't think that's going to be a problem here for the Titans. I think they're going to play their game. Derrick Henry's fully healthy. Ryan Tannehill's playing as good as he ever has. A.J. Brown is just an absolute stud. And the defense is getting better. I, I, I swear I'm talking myself into picking the Titans. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like you're picking the Titans. I'll go ahead and go first while you're working on that. I am going to take the Patriots. I feel really bad about it. In fact, I'm going to say the final score is going to be 21 to 20 Patriots uh, in a nail biter. I believe that. Um, and and I, ultimately, I just feel like it's the Patriots. I don't want to be the person to pick against. I, I would rather be off the train last than be off the train too early and miss the destination completely. I totally get that. I'm going to say that the Patriots play maybe their best offensive game of the year and still still lose 30 to 27 times wow i mean they played their best offensive game of the year just a couple of weeks ago against the bills so it's not totally out of the question but wow that's a gutsy pick man and i respect you for it thank you i'm gonna look like an idiot <laughs> well if you're wrong i won't respect you as much how about that fair enough all right next game uh probably the best game of the weekend uh, in terms of just general excitement that is going to come a revenge game for the saints this time at home the vikings and the saints and uh i i really i think this is probably the easiest game to pick i i can't think of a more lopsided game in terms of what i'm expecting to happen but it feels like everybody's expecting the saints to just roll over the vikings who have been slipshod all year up and down roller coaster ride with the offense and the defense hasn't been nearly as good as they've needed to be in spots yet here they find themselves in the playoffs i'm still taking the saints and i'm going to take them to win 31 to 17 in a blowout well i mean this is fascinating because one stat that i keep seeing floating around is that kirk cousins is something like 0 and 12 against teams with 10 plus wins or that ended with 10 plus wins rather uh, and ultimately 
what do you what do you say? Do you say that that's a stat that's completely relevant and is never going to change, and Kirk Cousins just has no ability to win, win against winning teams, or is it this is way overdue and he's actually going to bounce back and uh, at the law of averages is going to take over and Kirk Cousins is going to play brilliantly and knock the Saints out of the playoffs? Now, ultimately, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think that Kirk Cousins is going to play plenty well in this game, maybe like two touchdowns, one interception, 260 yards, whatever. Dalvin Cook's going to have a big role in this. I think the Saints might give up a 100-yard rusher for the first time in, I think it's now 40 games, including it's the over four. It's like 42 games, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a currently crazy a league stat. record. It's, it's a, uh, the streak is currently a record. I don't think it's a league record. You know what I'm saying? It's the longest yeah. active streak. There it is. Nailed sure, it. sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but so I, I expect the Vikings offense to show up. I f- expect the, the Saints offense obviously to show up because over the last five games they've been scoring forty plus. The defense I think is coming together, but they're they're going to miss Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins in this playoff run. I think this is going to be a fairly high scoring game that the Saints ultimately win. Let's say thirty four twenty seven Saints. All right, marking it down thirty four twenty. I don't know where the. I don't know where those 27 points are going to come from if you're the Vikings offense, the way they've been looking Dalvin Cook, lately. Man. But Also uh, the play action. I mean, uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if I'm ready to buy into the Vikings offense the, the way they looked against the Packers, which is not a great defense. No, on, uh, I, I, I fully agree. Game. I'm I'm more just expecting things to normalize because I think that was your worst-case scenario in terms of a big moment. I mean, they had nine first downs or like seven first downs that i would say that's pretty much worst case scenario but yeah listen over this over the course of this season the vikings are i think the seventh most efficient team according to dvoa and they're top 10 in both offense and defense they've put but a they, lot of good they, tape on the field they like the packers have played a very cupcake schedule that's true i mean you're expected to see that i think a little bit yeah uh all right last game seahawks at eagles and i'm very tempted to pick the eagles in this spot just because it feels like it feels like after a great December, the Eagles are one of those teams that's like peaking at the right time despite all the injuries. The Seahawks took a huge blow in weeks in week 16 and 17, losing a ton of good players to injury. Ultimately, I, this has the feel of a game that's going to come down to that final drive. Uh, not necessarily who has the ball, but which quarterback is able to better execute on their final drive. Um, and it's a chance for, certainly for Carson Wentz, to start writing the story of, of how he had his own individual run of playoff success, not just riding the back of Nick Foles as he's done the past uh, two years. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who to take. <laughs> this is a, this is another tough one. Really? I mean, I mean, even hearing your discussion, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going to happen on Sunday. I have no idea how either team is going to walk away with a win. The Seahawks are so banged up. They are so flawed, but the Eagles are even more banged up. And potentially that opens up the the possibility of more flaws, but they've been playing a lot more clean football lately. It's been really, I have a really impressive. I have a thought. Okay, the Eagles have been without so many of their key players for so long, without 60% of their starting offensive line for so long. Football is often a game that is won in the trenches, right? Like, we can both agree on that premise. We're very defensive and offensive line heavy on this show in terms sure. of support and the Eagles are better on the offensive line and the defensive line. That's true. They are. The, the Seahawks have virtually no pass rush, and I am going to take the Eagles um, in an ugly, gross game. 
where they will have a safety, and the final score will be 19-12, to 12, Philadelphia. And yet, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks came within one inch. One inch of beating the 49ers and winning the NFC West Championship. So how do you discount them in a game that's obviously going to be close? The 49ers are a better team than the Eagles. That's, I mean, we're not going to mince words here. That's absolutely true. The Seahawks have beaten the 49ers. Maybe it's a divisional thing. It was a different team. Yeah, that was a much different team. It's tough. Well, I mean, pl- but please don't give me the divisional argument because if you can't know, get up, if you can't get up for a playoff game, why are you getting up for a divisional game? <laughs> it's more familiarity with opponent as opposed to being excited about playing okay. a certain team. Fair enough. Fair enough. But the but the Seahawks should be plenty familiar with the Eagles. It feels like they play each other almost every year now. They in fact played earlier this season. Uh, Seahawks win. I believe close. in Philadelphia too. It was close. Yeah, that's true. It was close. Uh, I, I I can't pick against the Seahawks. I'm sorry. Uh, we're, okay, we're, no, you don't don't apologize. I I was I'm sorry to, to my Seahawks own too. relevant. Or sorry, I'm I'm sorry to my own sanity ultimately because this game has made me completely insane. Uh, Seahawks twenty three, Eagles twenty. I forgot to write it down. Hold on, twenty three, twenty. Okay. All right, Trenton. That's it. Uh, the games are starting. Go watch them, everybody. If you're listening to this, they probably already went. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just hopefully you didn't listen to the last part. Uh, so if you want to connect with us, uh, we are on Twitter at After Review Pod. We're on Facebook, too. Um, and we can also uh, answer your emails, afterreviewpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot those over our way. Trenton mentioned his website, sportsslants.com, earlier in the episode. Of course, if you want to check that out. And, of course, you can always listen to more of me on the Bombers podcast, which goes up every week on Tuesday morning. Uh, so check that out for video games content. Is there anything else, Trenton, that we uh, forgot to mention? Well, I'm, I'm just reminding everyone that earlier in the show, there was this scorching hot take that Michael Thomas is better than Jerry Rice. So please don't forget that. I want that to be part of our legacy. That is literally the hottest take I think that's ever been on this show. And I was like half joking. So I don't, I don't even know. Does it count as a hot take if it's like a joke? I, I have no idea. All right. We said well, it, and we'll it's find out. out. If, well, let, let me put it this way. If I'm wrong, it was a joke. If I'm right, hey, look out. I might be on ESPN's first take soon. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's where you would belong if you were right on that one. Uh, yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. My name is Shay Dougal. For Trenton Pugh's, go enjoy the games. Everybody, it's the playoffs. It's getting real. No more Cleveland Browns. After review, the podcast is staying.